Welcome to this edition of Impact, where we share your remarkable stories of faith. You know we proclaim and believe in the scripture of the great prophet Isaiah when he declared in chapter 12, verse 4, Thank the Lord. Praise His name. Tell the world, yes, tell the world of His wondrous love and how mighty He is. So stay with us and be inspired as we hear amazing stories that are sure to impact your walk with Christ. You won't want to miss today's program. And now, Here's your host, Mike Gonzalez. Once again, welcome to this edition of Impact, where we share your amazing stories of faith. On this program, we believe that your story of transformation through Jesus Christ can touch many lives. For more information on Impact Stories of Faith, visit us at impactministrysa.org. And now, our featured story of the week is Adam Barrientes. Adam, welcome to Impact. And I know that our listeners are in for an amazing story. In 1985, at the age of 10, Adam was introduced to gangs. As a result, Adam would ultimately be sentenced to multiple prison terms. Adam, take us back to what happened in 1985. In 1985, um, I was moved from San Antonio, Texas to uh, Lansing, Detroit, Michigan. And um, due to that, I was uh, we moved into a gang-infested neighborhood. I became a gang member and um, at the age of 10, 11 years old, you know, but a real gang member. Not just beat in, nothing. We had to really physically do something to somebody to be accepted in the neighborhood. As I did that, I got older. I went to school, I got older. And then I took, I had the responsibility of the neighborhood for being the youngest to take over the schools. So I was the young one, but I was taking over the schools. I was in charge of three other schools and, and besides my school. Well, we got really bad. The state of Michigan and the city of Lansing did an injunction on us, and they made us separate. So we separated after multiple murders and, and, and assaults. We had to separate. So in uh, early 90s, in the beginning of 1990, 91, 92, I, got, I came down here to San Antonio, Texas on the run. At the age of 10, you move into a neighborhood where the neighborhood is gang-infested. Tell me a little bit more about that gang lifestyle at the age of 10. I thought it was great because I, I believed the lies. I believed the lies that they told me. I believed it, that, that we were a family. I believed it. that was the only way. And that, and that was the only way and that, that was the only way I would make it in life. I didn't know better. So that's the life I chose. It was a lot of hugs and things like, hey, come with us and come with us and, and, and invitations to parties and invitations to, to drugs, invitations to fast lifestyle, money, jewelry, everything I wanted I had. We had to do a homicide or we had to do a, 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 a aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, something like that, to actually be part of the gang. And how did that play itself in your mind and your heart to know that you had to go to hurt someone? Well, I didn't like it. I didn't like it really physically. I didn't like it, but I accepted it because I thought that was the only way that there was. I didn't know anything better. There was nobody else to teach me anything, you know. And the influence that it had on you was big and that you took the responsibility of being one of the top gang members in that location. Is that right? Yes, I, I, I did it because I, my parents weren't there most of the time. So our house was mostly... Mostly everybody else in the neighborhood would meet there. So since I was so close to the to the top gang members because they were staying at my house, they 
put me in that responsibility. They gave me that responsibility because I knew everything that was going on inside the house, in the streets, and in the schools. Now, Adam, walk us through the lifestyle of a gangster. It's kind of crazy, and it's lonely. People think it's easy, but it's really hard because you got to watch for the next person that wants to make an example out of you and wants to come and, and take your place. There's no love. There's just... It's like a stepping stone. Everybody steps on on each other to get to the top. There's a lot of broken promises and a lot of broken homes. I remember one time I, I told my, my mom and dad that they weren't my family. My gang and my and my neighborhood and my and the people that I associated with was my family. To come against your actual family members and to think that the gang life, they would ultimately be your family. However, you would find yourself as you move forward in life in more trouble. Tell us about that trouble that you got into. At the age of 20, 21 years old, um, I went to prison about three or four times. And then uh, I only stayed out 45 days. And then I went back and did 10 years in a, in a TDCJ. I was, got sent to Connolly Unit, one of the worst units in Texas. And since I had got there and since almost I left, I would see killings and mostly you know, assaults, rapes. So everything that I was promised was a lie. I, I got promised that I was going to have a nice house. I had a nice house, but then they came and took it. Nothing that I had stayed with me forever. You know, the one thing I always wanted was the peace, but I couldn't have it. The gang lifestyle that you were in followed you into the prison facility. You saw things in there that were even more destructive. How did you cope with that in prison? Well, I coped with it by just going with the flow sometimes just uh, mentally closing my eyes and knowing what I had to stay away from. And it was very hard because I come from a big family and there was a lot of people, even though they were my friends and in the same gang and the same association, they hated me because I was a little step above them and young. It created hate and a lot of jealousy. So they, I was always put on uh, what they call put on the cross. I was going to get sacrificed all the time because I had a, a thing where I could talk to prison guards and I would break them, and they would bring me anything I wanted. So they would wanted to know who was the guard doing it, and I wouldn't tell them. They would hate it. I came from Detroit, Michigan, Lansing, Michigan, and um, over there it's very, it's not racial. Down here in South Texas, Texas is very racial back then in the 90s. So I was okay to talk to everybody. And back then, a lot of um, Hispanic people wouldn't talk to blacks or whites. But I was involved with everybody, and they hated it. Tell us about the loneliness that the gang life actually brings into a person's life. Well, it brings it brings loneliness because um, I have 10 kids my, myself. I never really got to raise eight of them. When I came out of prison, I didn't even know my kids. And uh, first of all, you miss your, your, your parents. And I'm not one of the uh, type of persons that I want my, my mom to come and see me every month, every week, everything. I didn't let him because I knew my dad came and told me one day, I can't do this to your mom no more. She leaves and she cries. I see my, my mom and my dad, you know, actually dying in visitation room crying because I was locked like, like a, in, you know, like, like an animal in a cage. There's nobody in there that's really your friend. And then no matter what I did, I was scared because if, if I didn't do something the next man didn't like and he was there longer, he could go and talk to everybody trick them and then they'll take me out so we were just mice in there just being ready to we had to worry about our own instead of worrying about the 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 enemy and really there was no enemy the enemy was in your head because they were just scared as like we were 
<laughs> you know, so right. so it was just like you put a whole bunch of scared people in the same right in the same you know cells or the same unit. And Adam, you never knew what to expect in prison. You never knew what would happen next. Now, how would this come to affect your children? You said you had ten children. How did your children take this as you were in prison all these years? Well, they they started hating me because I wasn't there. And when I came out of prison, they still hated me because I wasn't there. No matter what, it was hard to, to fix things. And it's still hard to fix things because I wasn't there. Because I only thought about myself. I didn't think about my kids. I didn't think about my family. I didn't think about my brothers, my sisters. I didn't think about anybody but myself. And I and and since I thought I used to make $5,000 a, a month, Mike, on a unit, they used to send money orders home. And I would make $5,000 a month, and they w I would give the money to my mom, and she would give it to my kids. And they still weren't appreciated right. because they wanted me there. Right. It's not about the money. It's about the time, the sacrifice, having family together to be together. And the money wasn't going to fulfill what they needed inside of them, which was you, which was love from you. Yeah, I only got maybe three visits from my kids in 10 years. You know, three or four visits and for, 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 for my kids, with my kids, out of 10 years. Now, Adam, time moves forward. You eventually get out of prison. Tell us what happens next in your life. Well, I get out of prison, but I'm, I'm kind of slacking. I don't know what to do. I don't want to go back because I did all my, my 20s in prison. All my 20s, I was in prison. And, and I didn't want to go back. I didn't want to go... I didn't want to, I, I, I was tired of that life, Mike, you know, it, it tired of where I couldn't even sleep. I couldn't sleep like a normal person at night. I, I, I would have to stay up until about six o'clock in the morning. Even if I wasn't doing nothing, it was just in, in me already. I'd stay up to six o'clock in the morning and then, I, and then I, I, I would go to sleep. So I was tired of that. So I started drinking, I started doing everything, but I wasn't doing anything to lead me back to prison. I was just started abusing drugs a little bit more. I started drinking, but I was still trying to live right. But it was it was just hard. It was hard because I didn't know what to do. I was lost. I was very lost. I was very lost. For 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 ten years I was lost. Right. And it took you into a deeper black hole that once you left prison You still couldn't find that one thing to give you the peace and the love that you needed. However, when we come back after this short break, Adam, we're going to talk about the transformation process that will begin in your life through the power of Jesus Christ. Stay with us. We'll be right back with Impact Stories of Faith after this short message. Thank you for joining today's edition of Impact, where we share your remarkable stories of faith. If you have a faith-based story to tell or you'd like to share your story online, simply email Mike Gonzalez at impactstories.faith at gmail.com. That's impactstories.faith at gmail.com. On this program, we believe that your story of transformation through Jesus Christ can touch many lives. Today's program is sponsored by Sammy's Mexican Restaurant in Lavernia, Texas, where they have delicious breakfast and lunch specials to include my favorite, their great-tasting carne guisada. 
Come to Sammy's Mexican Restaurant located at 13520 U.S. Highway 87 in Lavernia, Texas, just 30 minutes southeast of San Antonio, and see for yourself why they're the best Mexican restaurant in Lavernia. And we're back to Impact Stories of Faith with Adam Barrientes, who at the age of 10 was introduced to gangs and then being sentenced to multiple prison terms. However, Adam would have an encounter through the power of Jesus Christ. Adam, walk us through that in your life. In 2017, uh, March 11th, I got ran over by a tow truck and it crushed my, my face. It crushed my left side of my body. And it knocked all of my teeth, crushed my collarbone, my arm. I went to the hospital, and uh, they said, when that happened, did I lift the tow truck up, the church? They said I lifted it up, and I and, and when I got to the hospital, everybody at, at Bamsey Hospital in San Antonio, Texas, wanted to know how I was still alive because of the, the, the that big truck, the big tow truck, you know, crushed me. I was gone. My God was out of there. I didn't, I didn't know. After that, I didn't know anything. But when I came to, I had a thing over my face and a rag over my face, and and, and I had pipes in me and everything. My God, I, I looked up and I prayed and I was like, God, don't leave me like this, man. I don't know, don't leave me like this. My girlfriend, she came in and she showed me a picture of my son underneath the chair, and I was like, Why is he under the chair? And she said, Well, he was praying to God. He was praying to Jesus for eight hours. So at that moment, right there and then, I I kind of like. Thank you, Jesus. You know, thank you, Lord. You know, my son was under there and, and, and stuff. And I felt like I already knew what I had to do. When I said, man, I was like, God, whatever you want me to do, God, man, I'm going to do it. When I get out, I used to be, you know what, God, I used to be the best gangster in the world. I used to be the best I could be to be bad. Now I'm going to be the best I could do to be good. I'm going to do anything for you. I'm going to do this. So uh, so I went and, and I got, they said I was never going to walk straight, Mike. They said I, was, my, I went from 240 pounds all the way to 150 pounds. My body was twisted to the left. My, they said I never walk right. Then they said I never run. They said I never breathe right. When, you know, they said I had to stay in the hospital, but I left in eight days. I discharged myself from Bamsey Hospital and left. And then I, I went and, and I had to go back to work. I had my family. So I, and, and when I get out, it's like God lit me on fire. Because there was an incident where a kid got killed. And it's like God told me what to do. God told me to go out there and go talk to these gang members. So I went out there and I talked to them. And I told them, man, hey, what are y'all doing? I didn't know nothing about God yet. I didn't know nothing about Jesus yet. I just knew he saved me. And I, just, and I went out there, man, and I went out there and it's like, man, come on, man. What are y'all doing? You know, hey, calm down, man. You know, there's kids out here. You know, calm down. So they, they told me, you know, well, if you were so worried about the kids, why don't you start something? Because of our protocol, we can't tell them not to join our gang. But if you start something, we could shoot them to you. So I was like, so I went home and I prayed about it and everything. And I asked God, like, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And it, it, uh, Jesus, what do you want me to do? I had to take one step at a time. I started to know Jesus. I started to know God. Right. I stopped being scared of of of. Of the type that being quiet and saying, oh, I don't want them to know I'm, I'm a Christian. I don't want them to know that I believe in God. 
I stopped doing that. Now I'm, I'm like, man, I, I write for God. I write a hearty for God, you know. And everybody sees me, and, and you, like you can see, I write, and it says Jesus right. is the Lord on the bottom of my jacket. Right, you know? and Adam, and that's how I came to know you is the love that you have for him now. And I, I knew that you had a story. And I'm so intrigued that at the age of 10, you were introduced into gangs. You were leading gangs. You served multiple terms in prison. Things weren't going your way. Your children didn't love you, didn't know you. Things spiraled out of control. And ultimately, you would one day be released from prison to be hit by a tow truck and land you into the hospital. And then the transformation process would begin in your life through the power of Jesus Christ. Seeing your son praying for you, planted that seed in your life, in your heart, in your mind, in your soul. And then this hunger that you would have to serve the Lord. Tell us more about this hunger that you have today for for Jesus Christ. Well, the hunger I got for Jesus is I'm I'm willing to volunteer for anything, willing to learn anything. You know, I I we go feed the homeless. You know, at at uh, Haven for Hope, we go feed the homeless sometimes on Saturdays. And then I started a little uh, program for the kids. We bring them football, and but we bring them closer to Christ. And like the game life, where where they used to make promises to me, and the promises were never fulfilled. Now I'm showing the kids that there's love out here through oh, through other people, through other people. They don't have to be family, and we still love them, right? And they don't have to do nothing bad. They just need to stop doing something bad and enjoy the love that they're getting from people that really care, that they don't have to go sacrifice 10 years like I did to be loved. So now we try to get them into still better schools. We really try to focus on their attitude, on their way of thinking, because they think that nobody cares, that there ain't nobody else. But as for my team, we introduce them to the Lord. We introduce them to Jesus. So when they're out there on the field, we pray. And you ask them, what are we here for? And they say, God's plan. And then we say, who are we? And they say, they say we are soldiers of God, you know, or they say soldiers of Christ, you know. And that's one thing that we, we end it with, you know, every practice, every game. And we do it to the, to the fullest for the kids, you right. know. And, and some of these kids, they need it. You know, they need it because some of the fathers, they're, they were, they're stuck in time like the way I was. They're stuck, they're stuck in, in, the, in, in, in false pretenses. They think that everything's going to be cool, but it, nothing's going to be cool because when they come out, them, them kids, they're so hurt. But it's all right because now, like I say, now they have me. So I'm out there and I'm, I'm giving them everything that I have, you right. know. And uh, that's the one thing we do. And then we try to do... Um, we try to give them uh, uh, nutrition classes to the girls under 16. If they have a baby, we try to help them out. Right. And then, you know, we're just trying to build up the females because the, the the way that we were, you know, a lot of us are raised. We don't care about anybody and we break the women down. We got to show them how to, uh, you know, if, if God says they're our queen, then we got to show them that they're our queen. And we got to show them their, their we got to show them their, their, their worth. Because right. if we don't show them their worth, then who's going to show the kids their work? Right. So we got to do do all that through Christ. You're doing great things for the Lord, uh, Adam. And it's beautiful to see that from once being broken with broken promises, with no peace, as you said earlier in the segment, to now uh, feeling the promises of God and having peace in your life. And in turn, you are sharing with multiple kids in the inner city to know God, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Adam, suppose there's a listener out there in prison today or just the general population out here in the city of San Antonio. 
someone who is struggling, who is on that hamster wheel, just spinning round and round in, in, the, in the gang life and the drug life. What advice do you have uh, for those individuals? I say put it down. Put it down. Lay it down. Understand if, if they spit at Jesus and they didn't like Jesus and, they didn't, and, and everybody said he was this and that, but Jesus had the heart to die for us. If he died for us, like they say, if God's with us, who could be against us? And I've been on many, many occasions where they wanted to, to kill me for telling somebody about Jesus and because the, that person that I told left the gang. Well, the one thing I could tell you, man, is, yes, on this side, the grass is greener. The grass is greener because we, we have a promise of going into paradise. Now, you want to have peace? There's nothing like holding your kid's hand and holding your, your family's hand and looking at your family's smile and, and having them be proud of you, proud of you because you made the change, proud of you because you accepted Christ in your life. Not about your accomplishments in life, what, how much money you got. And all, that don't matter because at the end you can't take it. But you could take everybody to Christ through you. And I think that's beautiful, Adam. It's uh, wonderful to see how God transformed your life. From a hardcore gangster from Detroit, then coming to San Antonio, serving multiple prison terms, to today being a, a hardcore servant of Jesus Christ. And thank you for sharing your amazing story on Impact Stories of Faith. Thank you, Adam. It's an honor to hear your story. And if you, our listener, would like to have a transformation in your life to the power of Jesus Christ like Adam then say this powerful prayer with me with all of your heart God I believe in your son Jesus Christ as the savior of the world and I confess that I am a sinner and I ask that you forgive me and come into my life and make me new if you said this prayer or have a transformation story to share then visit us at impactministrysa.org that's impactministrysa.org I'd love to hear from you I'm Mike Gonzalez we hope you'll join us next time for another amazing story you won't want to miss. God bless you. Thank you for joining our program, Impact, where your testimonies are heard around the world. Please join us next week for another wonderful edition of Storytelling. Until then, God bless you. And remember, share your stories to impact those around you. And let us all go out as Jesus did and change our world. Hello, I'm Mike Gonzalez, and on behalf of our ministry team, we'd like to salute and thank our service members for their service to our country. And thank you for listening to Impact Stories of Faith. Your love is like radiant diamonds bursting inside us cannot contain your love will surely come find us like blazing wildfire singing your name God of
far Your love is Like radiant diamonds Bursting inside us We cannot contain Your love will Surely come far